0: Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of Hangouts and Headlines, February 5th, 2024. Now, if you haven't been with us in Hangouts and Headlines before, this is not a virtual legality episode. We're not going to dive deep into the legal issues surrounding any specific thing today. What we are going to talk about is how things are being reported, and today, in the land of video games, Xbox, Microsoft, and what have you. As you saw from the thumbnail, there have been a lot of rumors swirling about Xbox, And I think it's something that we should talk about because those rumors have not really been commented on by Microsoft or its executives itself. So we're going to talk about both the messaging from the articles that have been presented, as well as the lack of messaging from the company at issue and what's happening there. But before we do, if you're not familiar with this format, in Hangouts and Headlines, we basically take a beat and talk with the community for about a half hour, usually at the start of these videos. We'll see how many folks want to comment before we get into the substance. So this is not a virtual legality. This is not an episode where we're going to dive deep into the substance of the law. We're instead going to be talking about business and economics issues and the way they're being reported for something that I think is important to a lot of people. So with that said, how are you all doing in the community? How are you doing in chat today? Did you miss Hangouts and Headlines? I know I haven't done one in about a month. Uh, Let me know where you're Chatting in from what you're interested in. And if you have questions or comments, unlike a virtual legality, where I really try to push those all to the end, you can ask them now. Anything you want. If you want to talk about Xbox, great. If you want to talk about PlayStation, great. If you want to talk about your favorite episode of a TV show or a candy bar or whatever, what have you, let me know on that and we'll hang out a little bit before we get to those headlines. But I'm very happy to have you all here. Thank you so much for joining me. And we're gonna have a good conversation, I think, about the state of video games, the state of Xbox in particular, and hopefully have some illumination for all involved including myself so with that said good afternoon to stephanie from austria i almost heard that is australia so i apologize for that those are on very different parts of the world but good afternoon to you hi from ottawa canada it says tech Two, help us parentheses andy you wonder if, if that's tech Two, help us is his given name and then it has andy as a separate name anyway Thank you for calling in from Ottawa, Canada Tech to help us. I really appreciate it. Brandon says, I want refunds for my console and digital purchases if this is true. And we're going to talk about that. I think one thing that I want to mention is that I saw a lot of this stuff start happening over the weekend with respect to rumors. And part of what I put out there on my social media and part of what my thought process was was that this was not the biggest deal in the world. Clearly, I underestimated how folks would be thinking about these particular issues and there are a lot of folks like you Brandon that say this is it for me in the Xbox brand and Microsoft and trust and everything else and i'm coming to understand why that is we're going to talk about that but certainly if you have more illumination to give me as part of this episode if you think that i've missed something when we go over the articles in particular let me know i'm open to criticism i'm happy to say that i am often of a different generation than folks that are currently playing games most passionately right now and though i am still passionate about the industry i sometimes don't have my finger on the pulse of where these folks are coming from. And so I'm happy to get informed on that. Super says, it says, Oh my goodness. I said, PlayStation. Hey, PlayStation, PlayStation. They're very similar. PlayStation has never been a good name to me. I I never liked that. Xbox isn't a great name either, but I, I think in the console space, we've accepted bad names for a long time, right? The switch is probably the best Nintendo name that they've had. The Wii and the Wii U were not the Super Nintendo, the Nintendo are just the names of their company as a box. So it's been a while since we've had a really good name, I think, other than maybe the Switch, if we're going to give generous credit to those kinds of naming conventions. All right, let's see here. Nishay says, hello from Philadelphia, the home of the real Philly cheesesteak. It's hard to argue with that, right? I think Philly is Philadelphia, so it does seem to be the home of the real Philly cheesesteak, but I do love cheesesteaks, and they are awful in various places. So I, I have had them in Philadelphia. I've had them here in Michigan. I've had them in other places. Cheese steak to me, is one of those things can, that can go really, really wrong, depending on how it's made. So your mileage may vary. Uh, reasonable minds can differ on these things. But while I have enjoyed a cheese steak in my past, I've also really hated them from different places. So. Dylan B. asks Hoaglaw, Law, hey, Hoag, if this kills the brand and somehow causes people to lose access to their purchases in the future and it can be tracked back directly to Xbox's actions, could they be sued for it? Well, we made a lot of assumptions there in that question presentation. But OK, so we say Xbox is going to bring games over to PlayStation. Somehow that loses enough interest in the Xbox brand that Microsoft is no longer interested in making a box. I don't see how them not making a plastic box leads directly to you losing access to all of your digital library. That's one of the issues that I've had with folks that say that on Twitter. But if it did, I suppose that you could potentially look at a contract action if you think that they've violated some term of service. But as we've talked about here in uh, the channel, and I almost said virtual legality, but this is a Hangouts and Headlines, uh, we... Often have terms of service and terms of conditions within the digital ecosystem that are very protective of the platform provider, right? That says basically, hey, if we have to shut this down, we'll shut it down. And you agree to those terms when you purchased your license to video games, movies, TV, or whatever it is that you're getting from that digital platform. And one thing I'd like to see is more platforms being transparent about the fact that that is a license that they basically reserve the right to cut off whenever things go poorly for them, whether from a business perspective or a contract one. And I'd like to see people be able to have that information so that they could price in the value of what are more ephemeral licenses than people give it credit for. So could you sue them? You can always sue anybody, right? You could sue me right now if you wanted to. Please don't. But you could sue me right now, you'd probably have a losing case, but anybody can sue anybody for anything. It's just a matter of whether or not you can get past that motion to dismiss stage and into some kind of settlement zone or real money uh, solution from a litigation standpoint. So they would be a very difficult case to win just based on these premises. But I think we're probably going a few bridges too far with just talking about the premises here. And we'll talk about that as we get into this episode, certainly. Thank you for the question, Dylan. B. I really appreciate it. Bradley Spies uh, is talking to someone else, but I'm going to pretend it's a question to me. PC is more constantly becoming the best of both worlds since PS has gotten more consistent at releasing there. I certainly think the personal computer seems to be the place where you can play everything more often. I tend to like my consoles because I tend to like playing on my TV. And I know people that are big into PC will tell you where you can connect it to the TV. I've never found that to be a terribly... Uh, simple process. I've never liked how that comes together and I don't like all the levers you have to pull and buttons you have to press. So I like the console setup. I like the concept of just putting something under your TV and being able to play games on it. But certainly if you want the breadth of all things that these companies are making, PC seems to be the best of both worlds as between PlayStation and Xbox. You're still going to have to figure out how to get your Nintendo games. And we're not going to advocate for illegal piracy here on the channel or anything like that. So Right
1: now Nintendo is the only place to get Nintendo games. Aaron says I just got my notification while walking my little pooches and
0: I've missed hangouts and headlines, can't chat as so I have to keep an eye on them but love listening to Hog while I walk. Well, I'm hopeful that this is a enlightening and relaxing talk for you while you t- while you walk your dogs and thank you so much for joining us Aaron. Tyler says, I agree with Bradley. I prefer console, but if I can get every major game, Xbox will have the least to offer. It very well might be, right? I mean, that's what we're going to talk about as part of this conversation. And I think that's part of what's also happening internally at Microsoft, if we read between the lines of some of these articles. Great 180 says, I don't understand why why they are doing this. I like that I do not want to play on PC, and I know it's Sony is the only one that will provide you something. The rates are going to go through the roof. Okay, so I think this is the overall monopoly concept, right? So. The notion here is that Microsoft is quitting the console race by putting games on Sony. I don't know that that's a premise that I agree with. We're going to talk about that in a second. But if it is, and I think some people are making that leap already, that Microsoft is getting out of the console race. Hogue, you said you were in favor of competition. You wanted Microsoft to invest in gaming. So if they get out of console creation, isn't that leaving all of the console marketplace to Sony? Well, again, we forget Nintendo in that particular locution, but. Even if you say Sony's in a different kind of vein than Nintendo, I think one of the things you have to think about is that economies are not static, right? And we had this problem when we were looking at the FTC discussing how the Activision purchase would affect Microsoft in of itself, which is this notion that gaming and technology and any industry really is a static one. And then when this purchase is made, uh, this happens, this happens, and this happens. And then we're, we're left with a monopoly provider in the Sony PlayStation and while that might be a transitory phase i do think that if you had a playstation or sony output that was not meeting gamers where they live that was overcharging them for not meeting them where they live then you have a vast market and business opportunity for someone to enter into and whether or not that's microsoft or some other company you do have other tech giants out there with some tech savvy then you have that business opportunity leading to a non-monopoly environment it really is a matter of looking at technology and video gaming and seeing that dynamism and knowing that if there's money to be made there companies will enter that market to try to make it. And so I don't think we're really looking at a situation where Sony and PlayStation just sit out there charging $100 a game and saying, "Yes, give us all the money and then we're done," right? And and the best argument I can think of against that is kind of a network effect argument where you see an Apple developing and Sony PlayStation just becomes the iPhone and you get into these situations where Tim Sweeney complains about access rights to the PlayStation instead of to the Apple, et cetera, et cetera. But I really don't see that happening, and I don't see Microsoft exiting just based on this news. So again, I think we're probably a step or two in advance of where we're going to wind up being as we look at these articles. Nice bunny offers, or Apple might make a console anyway. Yeah, they're a pretty rich company that would have an interest in getting into the tech space on the TV level as well as on the mobile level. So I think that is a possibility. And I do think that what's important there is not that we can predict the future of what it might look like, whether it's Google or, or Apple or Tencent or anyone else getting into the console space. It's just the understanding that the video game industry has gone through a lot of seismic shifts before. And one of the things I did say on my social media earlier this morning was that I think in my old age, I have forgotten just how long this kind of tripolar Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft setup has existed. And it was never the way it was when I was growing up. You always had kind of interlopers come in. You had the CDI from Philips. You had the 3DO. You had TurboGrafx. You had that on top of the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo. And of course, the Mac and the PC fighting it out in that personal computing space. And it was always the case that there was money to be made and different companies trying different things. And the best ideas were adopted by the winners of those particular console generations, right? PlayStation exists because of the things that were shown that were effective with the CDI, as well as the things that were effective with the Super Nintendo, put it together into the PlayStation, and then Sony becomes a power in the the console space. So again, I see that dynamism continuing. There's certainly a lot of money there to be had from people that are interested in video games and technology. And so I am reluctant to say, even if Microsoft were to give a press conference this afternoon and say, we're out, we're out of consoles. We're very sorry about that, and I can understand why people would be upset about that. We'll talk about that as well. But even if they said that, I don't think you're going to see a Sony that just takes over the marketplace. I think, in fact, it's more likely that Sony and the way that they continually position their business would overstep and try to make less and, and try to make that more money, and that's what people are afraid of. But
1: by doing so, open the door to their next competitor. We just don't know what that looks like yet. Oh, Against the Tide is sending a message out to uh,
0: talk about how the the channel is going to be handled. Hopefully everybody's going to be uh, good and and well-reasoned in the conversations we have uh, on this channel. Certainly reasonable minds can differ is the watchword here on the Hoaglaw YouTube channel, whether it's in virtual legality or hangouts and headlines. So please do uh, work with the mods to, to have a good conversation. I know there's a lot of passion and emotion about the console space. Honestly, it's always been interesting to me that this particular topic, Xbox, PlayStation, Microsoft, Sony, is perhaps the one where the, the emotions run the highest, even though we talk about things like Supreme Court decisions and politics from time to time on this channel. So please do. Uh, we're, we're here to have a hopefully helpful conversation about the business and what we're looking at with respect to Microsoft and his, and messaging or lack thereof. Uh, but I understand emotions are running high. Please do stay to that kind of reasoned course of discussion. Thank you, Tide. All right, everybody. So I think that's basically all the chats that I saw asking questions or having comments here for this early hangout period. So I think we're just about ready to talk about these headlines and the news items themselves, unless anybody else has something that they want to pop in with. I'm I'm not going to try to pronounce that first name. I'm just going to say Raven Dark. Xbox has comparable exclusive output this gen, better services, and better PR image, still being outsold two to one. I don't see how giving all your content to the main competitor helps in any way. We're going to talk about this business proposition a little bit because I think Microsoft has not been selling their plastic boxes really this whole generation. And so I think it's a little bit of a surprise that they're switching course at this point in time, seemingly from the rumors that we've been presented. But it's not a surprise to me that that's the course that they might elect to, to to go down. So, drawn TJ, thank you so much for the super chat. I really do appreciate all the support for the channel. Put Xbox games on PlayStation a year later, but don't leave the console business. If they do, it's stupid. And I think that's part of what we're going to talk about here is that the things that are being rumored are being presented as Xbox putting all their games immediately on console competitors. And that's not even what's being rumored here. So this is one of the steps that people are taking from a logical perspective that I don't see happening right now. Doesn't mean it can't happen, but I do think the folks that are really deeply invested in this story, whether on the PlayStation or the Xbox side, should take a pause to look at what's actually been said and then analyze what Microsoft is going to do and what Xbox is going to be in the future. And I think people are jumping ahead of the line a little bit. Eat Fresh Guy says, cut to five years from now, Sony will have seen how much money Xbox made and will start doing the same thing. Hashtag delayed exclusives. It's possible. We don't know. These are human beings running these companies, right? Even a large one like Microsoft or even a, a very successful one like Sony. We don't know exactly what choices they're going to make. We do know that different models can succeed in the video game space and in the console space. We know that because Nintendo does its own thing every single generation. And they have had a very successful march with the Switch. They might have it with the Switch successor, we don't know, Uh, but they do their own thing. Xbox has started doing its own thing. This is another move towards that. And Sony has continued the kind of traditional walled garden model that developed during the Super Nintendo and Genesis era, and is becoming increasingly kind of a historic anomaly. So we'll see what Sony decides to do, and it will depend in large part on what Microsoft winds up doing. So let's see. Michael Sutherland says, in my opinion, this is not a big deal, but the internet will make everyone think it is. Sit back, relax, and realize Xbox is not going anywhere. Three trillion dollars in market value. Well, that's Microsoft, right? I mean, the one thing we do have to distinguish between is Xbox, or more specifically Microsoft Gaming, and Microsoft proper, right? They still sell you Windows. They still sell enterprise software. Microsoft has a lot of irons in the fire. That's why they're worth $3 trillion. And that's not all Xbox, obviously. Folks know that. Uh, But part of this conversation is that Microsoft started this initiative back in the early 2000s and maybe just looking at it in a different light now. Pony Up, thank you for the super chat. Rumors that Xbox is hesitating between AMD and Intel for the next console as the Pro approaches its launch should further drive the notion Xbox may be transitioning solely into a publisher. Deja vu. And I did see those rumors that there were slowness in signing the chipsets and things like that, that might result in Xbox getting out of step with the PlayStation releases. Truthfully, they didn't always launch at exactly the same time. So I don't know that that would be the death knell of the Xbox either. But I do think all of these things kind of work together to look at a Microsoft that maybe is having an internal fight. We're going to see that reference in a couple of articles. And as always, when you have too many cooks in the kitchen and you don't quite decide which direction to go, it can result in this kind of wobbly direction that maybe isn't the best for everybody involved. But we'll see ultimately. And again, one thing I would point out as part of this video is that the reason this isn't a virtual legality is because we're going to be talking about business and messaging, but also because we don't have primary source material to go off of. These appear to be leaks and not the controlled type. This does not appear to be coming from Microsoft because there's a lot of discussion of infighting and things like that. Uh, and we can expect Microsoft to have things to say about this in the very near future. Part of the reason that we're doing this as a Hangouts and Headlines is because that conversation doesn't exist yet. Silly Mikey, thank you for the super chat. Wouldn't it make more sense to have Xbox associate themselves to Nintendo for the next platform rather than fully stop? I think that's a possibility, right? One thing that we've seen discussed in the FTC case in various places that are analyzing the Xbox business model is that the people that multi-home, that have multiple consoles in their house, tend to have an Xbox and a Switch to go together because they're not directly competitive on the high-end video gaming market, which we saw the FTC try to establish, uh, and it's possible that you could do something like a Nintendo 360-type approach, combining the efforts. That's certainly something Nintendo went down a path with, with Sony until Sony went out and made their own PlayStation back in the day. So it's a possibility. Again, these are multiple steps down the line. We're talking about potentially bringing Starfield to PlayStation, not Xbox ending all plastic box manufacture. So we'll see. Mary Jane, really not Sarah. Hoag, do you prefer consoles over PC? I do. I think console controllers are as easy to use, maybe because I grew up on PC, aren't as easy to use. Yeah, I think console controllers take a little getting used to, and there's certainly different types of games that work better with a mouse and keyboard than they do with a controller, real-time strategy, a lot of strategy, honestly. And so when I'm talking about my gaming, I will put things in various places and I will tend to play strategy games or games that work better with a keyboard on my PC and I'll play action-oriented games on the console. But I do cross those lines from time to time because I like sitting in my space with the TV and not having to worry about whether or not my computer is going to die or other things that have happened to me in the past. So yes, I prefer the consoles. I've gotten used to controllers. Uh, It's been something that's been useful to me in my physical therapy, but we'll see. Bradley Spies, what was the rumor? Some sort of spring announcement in terms of first official word? I think we'll see something this week. I think this has gotten out of hand on the internet, on social media, and I can't imagine that Microsoft doesn't know it. So I would expect something this week. But I think certainly by the end of the month. Those would be my timeline expectations. Joshua Ford says, I definitely think consoles and PCs are converging. It's more about UI, user interface, than hardware now. Look at the Steam Deck. Gone are the days of cell architecture like the PlayStation 3. Yes, the PlayStation 3 is largely seen as a misstep because Sony made their own cell architecture chipset and got out of alignment with the broad development process that went effective across multiple platforms and didn't get the support that they wanted for that particular console. Now there's still great PlayStation three games, obviously. Uh, but I do think there's a unification. I think we're looking at a transitional period in the video game industry. I think one thing I just want to convey is that this has happened before like the Cylons, it will happen again. Uh, and it's not the end of all things. Uh, Con artists saying the important things, please hit the like. Yeah, if you're enjoying this conversation and we'll have more to say when we get into the headlines, like, subscribe, do all the fun YouTube things because that helps the channel out immensely, tells people that we're having this conversation and I really appreciate it. And I thank you so much for 300 people already being here, watching this episode and hopefully getting some good information in the process. Sardisms, Hogue, important question, which game should I finish next? Dio Field, Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy VII, or should I start Triangle Strategy? Well, Final Fantasy VII has the advantage of going right into potentially playing remake and then Rebirth that comes out at the end of this month. Final Fantasy VI is the best thing that you list on this on this list, so that should always be worked on if you have the uh, if the if you have the capacity. deal Field I really like, really like, but it's more of a cult classic. And Triangle Strategy I think can wait. I like Triangle Strategy, but I think it can wait
1: beyond those other ones. Space
0: Channel 5 says Satya, meaning Satya Nadella, has taken an interest and Game Pass isn't hitting its projections. Well, and we'll talk about that as well. I think Game Pass and services in general are in the ballpark for where they wanna be. Console hardware sales are where they're not. And and we'll talk about that in a second. 3 Papa Rick, they just released two consoles in the current gen. I don't see how this is in any kind of leaving. I think people are seeing this as a strategic sea change. And I think it is
1: possible that that's what's being shown here, but I think it's a bit early to to suggest that that is in fact the case.
0: Papa Rick says it sucks for Nintendo. They can't play Nintendo Direct with all these other companies all over the place this month. I'll tell you what, if Nintendo is planning to use the Direct in February to announce the Switch 2, they'll still do that uh, because that's going to be a huge announcement that's going to take over the video game discourse uh, if that isn't the case, if they just have kind of the last bits of games to announce for the end of the Switch lifecycle, they might delay it because this is a lot of noise around a lot of things right now. Since, as I would imagine, this week in terms of a comment from Microsoft to stem the bleeding, I can assure you that right now that GameStop employees are telling people not to buy Xbox. Well, that's undoubtedly true. I remember all sorts of things that were said by my fellow colleagues at electronics boutique back in the day and that was always kind of based on the rumor mail that was not nearly as robust as it is now as it was as it is now back in the 90s and so i think that that is undoubtedly the case that there are gamestop employees saying hey look they're going to come to playstation anyway buy this one and that's a problem maybe but again that's part of the conversation of whether microsoft cares about selling the xboxes anymore and i think that's part of this discussion Tom from Tsunami says, do I think Phil Spencer steps down if he loses this internal fight like Sean Layden? I certainly think that the outside view of what's happening here is that Phil Spencer is arguing the gamers side of the argument for not doing this and losing to the business side of the argument for leaving money on the table. That's what seems to be presented in between the lines. And we'll get to those lines in just a second. Uh, do I think he steps down if he loses this internal fight? I don't know. I, I, it really depends on how much Microsoft is planning to change its strategy on this. And I think that that's an open question even after these rumors. Sardinism says, original FF7, I should say. I, I recognize it was the original FF7. I just meant that if you're planning on doing a run of FF7 and remake into Rebirth, then that's probably the right time to do it right now. Uh, Mary Jane, I love that the Cylons have a religion. Uh, yeah, they are religion. I mean, we we can talk about that. Uh, on a separate episode, I think, but yeah, the, the Battlestar Galactica remake had a lot of different thoughts
1: about AI and robots and religion. So I do love that show. See, it not continue saying I'm leaning towards Field just because I've got a bit of momentum on it, but I had a hard time
0: getting into anything last week or two. I get that. I get into those situations as well. So yeah, definitely
1: go with what you feel drawn to the most, more than anything I would say. QT James says they're not going to let Phil stay if he loses. Honestly,
0: I think if this were as significant as some people think it is with Microsoft just essentially announcing we're going to be a publisher and putting all our games everywhere and what would be the result of that getting out of the hardware race. I think if I were Phil Spencer, I'd probably be inclined to leave that. I don't want my name on this particular move the the death of the Xbox under my watch, and so a lot of the times you'll have executives say, "Hey, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be the signatory the sig- the signatory on this particular action and and get out of
1: dodge while they can." So I, I think if I were Phil in that situation, that is posited, I'd probably want to leave myself. It start. Nimdragul asks, why not buy an Xbox? In my opinion, it's still a lot of PC for
0: a small price. If you don't have a good PC, it's a nice deal. I like my Xbox. I like my X and I like my S. Um, but I can understand why people would be concerned uh, with this rumor moving forward. Uh, it's not a great substitute for a PC, obviously, because it doesn't it doesn't have the operating system or the ability to manipulate the file structure in the same way. But I do like the Xboxes. Scarlett Scarab asks, has there been any news in regards to the FTC internal court proceeding between FTC and Microsoft that may have caused these rumors to swirl? There's not been any news on that. And we can talk about what effect these rumors might have on antitrust in general, because I think that might be a part of this story. Uh, but we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. I know I've said that a number of times, but I do want to get to that uh, as well. Just remind me if I don't hit any of these things I promised to talk about as part of this this episode. Uh, Mary Jane says, please do an episode on cyber religions, Cylons and the Borg. The Borg have a religion. The Cylons have a religion. Uh, There are a couple of other artificial intelligences that talk a little bit about the spiritual. uh, And certainly anime goes into that a lot. So we could talk about that. Probably not in this episode, though. Cherry C. Mills, thank you for being a member for 12 months. Thank you for all the amazing content you bring, Hogue. Smiley face emoji. Honestly, I felt bad about not doing any videos last week. So thank you so much, guys, for being here, for being supportive of the channel. I I said that in the community post last week, but I'm still figuring out where the energy and work and life and video balance is. uh, And that is going to take a little bit more time than I thought. So thank you for being here. And I really appreciate the kind words and for you being a member for 12 months. All right, let's get into these headlines here. So, oh, well, let's let's have one more question. Assuming this news is true, asks Sin, who do you think should be the face of the announcement at Hoag Law? I personally would have the person who pushed for this the most face the public and take the PR hit. I don't think there's any question that if Microsoft is going to talk about this, it has to be Phil Spencer right now, right? Which is one of the reasons why the question was asked if he's going to lose this fight uh, and this is going to go this direction that would he step down or would he leave? I think because he would have to be the face of this message right this second, if he really felt strongly about it, he would have to leave before that happened. But as it stands right now, Phil Spencer would be the one making this message. Anybody less would be seen as not taking authority over the decision-making process and
1: potentially signaling a bigger fracture in Microsoft than they would want to project out into the world. All right. Let's talk about it. Xbox era here with their exclusive Microsoft planned Starfield
0: launch for PlayStation 5. Now, one thing I would like to say here is the Hangouts and Headlines. We're gonna talk about how this information is presented. We're gonna go through it just like it were a media article from a big time media outlet. Uh, But I do want to say that if you look at earlier videos in the playlist for Xbox times Activision, one of the things I talked about was the fact that I expected Microsoft to release most of the big titles everywhere. And I said that because I thought it was good marketing for Game Pass, and I said that because it's hard to not sell into the marketplace of the market leader, right? When we see exclusives in Microsoft or PlayStation land, one of the things we see is that whoever the market leader of a generation is usually winds up with the most exclusives because it's cheaper for them to buy the exclusive from the non-market leader than the other way around. Said another way, When the 360 is at the height of the generation, they get the Call of Duty exclusives because it costs too much for Sony to tell Activision not to sell their game on the Xbox 360. And now it costs too much for Microsoft to tell somebody not to sell their game on the PlayStation. So that's the math before they buy Bethesda. That's the math before they buy Activision Blizzard King. That math doesn't actually change at its baseline level when they purchased those particular publishers and bring them in-house. So it always seemed to be a very expensive choice to not sell those games into the other markets. And I thought that they would do that anyway because they're ultimately trying to sell Game Passes and not Xboxes. It seems like when they purchased these publishers, there was probably at least some amount of internal fighting based on what we know now at the time. And it surprised me that they would try to push their Xbox console over their overall revenue growth with Game Pass or sales of the software licenses themselves. And so that surprised me when it happened. You can go look at those videos in the playlist as I predicted that they would ultimately put Starfield and others on the PlayStation ecosystem and potentially sell them for a premium as essentially an advertisement for Game Pass. I still think that's what you're looking at here, which is to say that Starfield being sold for 70 or 90 dollars on PlayStation is still a bit of an ad for get it essentially for free or at no additional cost over on the Xbox ecosystem, but while simultaneously collecting 70% of the revenues that go into the PlayStation license purchases. So ultimately, I can see why the business folks, the bean counters, however you want to frame them at Microsoft look at this and say, Why aren't we selling it into the PlayStation ecosystem? We still have a better value proposition. We can still get you this game access through Game Pass, we can still get that game Pass exclusive to our consoles right now. And so we're the only place you can get this great deal. Why aren't we otherwise selling the bad deal onto our market competitors because it's not going to change anything? And the Phil Spencers of the world saying yes, but that's going to be seen as a betrayal of trust for the people that winds up that 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 wind up feeling like the Xbox ecosystem is betraying them. And I think Phil's probably the one in the room saying that the most, I tend to see things the way the business argument goes for this. And that has led me to a certain amount of surprise at how this is being perceived online. So I wanna say that upfront, uh, but I think that's ultimately what we're looking at here. Now let's take a look at what was it actually announced. So here's Xbox era, obviously an Xbox focused blog. I believe I've given quotes and otherwise interacted with the folks that run this blog. In the past, they say for many weeks now, rumors have persisted regarding Microsoft's intentions to release a number of first party games, namely Hi Fi Rush and Sea of Thieves, on rival platforms. According to our sources, who have asked to remain anonymous because they were not authorized to talk about company plans. And as we do in Hangouts and Headlines, we talk about the fact that that's an anonymous source. We take it with a grain of salt, but this particular anonymity makes sense to be granted. And one of the things that really got my attention was how much this was repeated. We're going to look at other articles from another source as part of this video. And this has been repeated in many, many places to the extent that this appears to be a lot of smoke here. I I don't think there's any reason to believe that this isn't happening to some extent behind the scenes, even if it isn't as directly described in these kind of rumor media uh, articles. Starfield released back in August of 2023 to fairly positive reception, despite the narrative that now exists online. And here you see sign of that editorializing, right? So this is Xbox era, the pro Xbox blog. They say, hey, Starfield is a well-received game, even though you get a lot of hate of it online. And I tend to agree with that, generally speaking. I don't think it necessarily belongs in this article right here. I don't think it's useful to the conversation, but Starfield is okay. Starfield got a lot of hate. And I think some of that hate was because it was exclusive to the Xbox ecosystem. And it probably wouldn't have received that same amount of hate Uh, if it had been multi-platform on its release. Now it looks as though Microsoft are planning on bringing Bethesda's newest RPG universe to an entirely new platform, the PlayStation 5. According to sources, we understand that currently Microsoft are planning a launch for Starfield on PlayStation 5 post the release of the announced, already announced Shattered Space expansion for Xbox and PC, which is on target to arrive at some point later this year. So keep that in mind as we read this, right? When we talk about Starfield, we don't have any timeframe for this. Shattered Space may be at the end of the year, as far as we know. We don't know when the DLC for this game is coming out. And we know, at least as rumored here, that it's not coming to PlayStation until that DLC is put in, presumably as part of the same package, to that Starfield release. We've also been informed that Microsoft have made additional investment into PlayStation 5 dev kits to support ongoing development efforts, adding further fuel to the fire. Now, I think this is actually the most important part of this article. Starfield is one game. Starfield is just... Uh, a, a single release from Bethesda, and we're going to talk about that as well because one of the things that's happening with these rumors is that they're either kind of lower-profile games like Hi-Fi Rush, multiplayer games like Minecraft or Sea of Thieves, or Bethesda games in general, games that were purchased as part of their publisher initiative in the last couple of years. So we're going to talk about Starfield here. It's a big game. It's It's Bethesda Games' first new RPG IP in a long, long time. Uh, but it is still a Bethesda game. And one of the things I think is interesting here is this is all being framed as part of this discussion as Xbox putting their first-party exclusives on other platforms. But it's important to note, we're not talking about Halo and Gears of War here, at least not right now in these rumors. We're talking about games that would have been multi-platform had they been released by a third-party publisher. And Bethesda and Activision were both third-party publishers within the lifetime of this channel's output right? We covered both acquisitions on this channel. We're talking about a matter of only a few years. It's a little bit odd to me to look at Starfield and Indiana Jones and say, well, those are Microsoft exclusive games that are really key to the Microsoft brand, right? They obviously spent billions of dollars on these publisher acquisitions. And I think people have kind of incorporated that into this conversation, but we would have expected to see Indiana Jones on multi-platform. We would have expected to see Starfield on multi-platform. So this doesn't really change anything from the state of play that would have existed a few years ago. No pun intended on that state of play reference. As the already existing rumors have suggested, the idea of bringing first-party titles to competing console platforms marks a massive change in strategy for Microsoft. And from what I understand, it's it's not been without fierce internal debate on this new direction. Releasing Starfield on PlayStation 5 contradicts the original statement around exclusivity made by president of Xbox, Sarah Bond, during the Xbox and Bethesda Game Studio Summer Showcase of 2021. It is awesome to share with you for the very first time one of the most anticipated games in the world from Todd Howard and the team at Bethesda Game Studios, a groundbreaking game, and yes, it's exclusive. Now, this is being stated by editorial discretion of Xbox era as a contradiction that if it doesn't Maintain its exclusivity forever, that that's a violation of what this promise is. One, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Certainly, we live in a world of timed and console exclusives, and so we use that phrasing in advertising and from executives a little bit broadly as it stands. I don't think it's good messaging for them to take this statement and then release it as a non-exclusive within a year. But I also don't see it as a lie. I don't see it as a fabrication. I don't see it as a betrayal. And I certainly don't see it as legally actionable. A lot of people sent me DMs and emails asking whether I thought there was a lawsuit to be made here. And the answer to that question, friends, is no, not, not at present, not from anything that I've been shown. When Sarah Bond says, yes, it's exclusive, she means at this point in time, that's our, that's our it's going to be exclusive and that's our plan for it to be exclusive. But as the law knows, as you know, plans change and that doesn't make the original statement a lie. You'd have to show that they knew that that wasn't going to be exclusive at the time. And certainly all of this language around it being a part of a fierce internal debate on the new direction suggests that this was not a lie when the statement was made, and that's going to prevent most legal action in almost all cases. According to sources, HiFi Rush's release on rival platforms is tentatively planned for quarter one this year, so the next couple of months. And we've been advised to expect Microsoft to make a more public announcement on this new strategy this month. And so I expect that that plan to say something in February is probably going to be updated to say something this week based on all of the leaks and things that have been said this particular week on social media. So yeah, I I expect them to speak. And honestly, the fact that they haven't yet is indicative of how fast this happened last night. Honestly, I was seeing this in real time on my social media and my brother who's staying with us this particular week, I, I leaned over and said, hey, get ready for a memo. He works at ZeniMax Online Studios, a Microsoft company. Uh, and I said, get ready for a memo because this is really heating up on online. And he said, really? And so we'll see what happens there. But ultimately, I think Microsoft is going to have to say something uh, at some point in the near future. And that's that's the state of things on this rumor. I said that there Indiana Jones has also been said this is from The Verge and Tom Warren, who is a respected journalist that I like quite a lot in terms of the content he puts out there and says they're also thinking about having Indiana Jones come to the PlayStation 5. Bethesda's upcoming Indiana Jones game is also tentatively set to launch on Sony's PlayStation 5 console. And again, it's important to note that this is another Bethesda game. This isn't a Microsoft home-cooked type game. And another important note here is that Bethesda only got purchased a couple of years ago. So we know from the FTC hearings and just normal expectations that a game like Starfield was being developed on a multi-platform basis from the start, and then that got paired back a little bit, but that these games, Indiana Jones and Starfield, might themselves be a special case, even for Bethesda releases, because these are transition games that were being built before Microsoft was the sole owner. So the other part of the conversation that the business folks are looking at is, hey, We're 30% through the resource process of actually getting this game on PlayStation. Why don't we finish that off? It's cheaper than it would be to do for another game that was only made for Xbox. And so you've got Indiana Jones and Starfield sitting out there looking like they can be golden gooses to make some money. And those particular business folks say, let's do that. Whether or not the internal fight is about releasing them on PlayStation 5, releasing them on Nintendo Switch PC or more, or whether it's that kind of betrayal concept that we've talked about with respect to how this is being portrayed from the Sarah Bond and Phil Spencer standpoint, I think ultimately what you're looking at is a situation that is very special, right? We haven't seen these large publishers be purchased by a hardware manufacturer like this before. And some of this is kind of normal teething process. How are we going to use these assets? What makes the most sense to us? And folks kind of getting overly catastrophic about what that means for the future of video gaming. While Bethesda will launch its Indiana Jones game first as an Xbox console exclusive, it's currently set to have a rather short period of exclusivity, we're told. A release for PS5 is being considered for some months later with Bethesda tentatively targeting a December 2024 launch for the Xbox and PC versions. So again, we don't have timing here because these are early plans, but again, the question becomes, all right, folks think that this means the death knell of Xbox, but Isn't it the case that you could have a box under the TV that is the best place to get game pass, that is the best place to get these games first, and has that as its value proposition rather than just fighting over power or access to these games, right? We're talking about different axes of competition. And people say, okay, well, if you aren't fighting over exclusivity, then you're just out of the gaming space. And I think that is a very kind of myopic, narrow-minded view of what competition can be. Now, I do think that if there is fighting internally, the fight is probably about how people, fans of Xbox, are going to feel about this change more than anything else because I think the business proposition makes a lot of sense on the outside. Exact timing and platform availability for Indiana Jones and the Great Circle could change, particularly as Microsoft's new multi-platform approach for Xbox games hasn't been finalized, excuse me. And I did see this this weekend. This is Tom Warren putting out here that the Hi-Fi Rush data miners... Found exclusive T-shirts or what looked to be exclusive T-shirts that would match up with the various colors associated with the different consoles. So this did suggest that Hi-Fi Rush was coming to PlayStation and to Switch at some point in the near future. Last year, we learned during the FTC versus Microsoft case that Indiana Jones and the Great Circle was originally planned for multiple consoles. Pete Hines, Bethesda's former head of global publishing, testified that Disney had a contract for multiple consoles and that the deal was amended to be an Xbox console exclusive after Microsoft acquired Bethesda. An Indiana Jones launch on PlayStation 5 would certainly be a surprise, but we're told that there's still an intense debate internally at Microsoft over which Xbox games to bring to rival consoles, right? So what we're getting now is rumors and certainly suggestive of leaks, right? These, These are suggestive of leaks probably about, the, the fight internally from Microsoft and folks that want to get this news out there for one reason or another, maybe to foment some of the chaos that we're seeing online right now, maybe for other purposes that we can't quite understand. But this does suggest a leak situation and an internal security issue for Microsoft that I think they're going to have to address both on that internal level and to the public on a very short term basis. Abdi asks, and thank you so much for the super chat, Abdi. Do you think third party will skip Xbox if they go third party for all titles? I think the notion would be that if Xbox goes third party for everything, right? They're making a new Halo, it goes on PlayStation. Then people won't be interested in buying the Xbox system. And once people are really not interested in buying the Xbox system, there's not going to be a big enough market there for third parties to be interested in selling into that market. So maybe I think... The problem is, is you're balancing a lot of things at once, right? And these are not easy jobs that the executives have to figure out is that if you lower the interest in the Xbox ecosystem itself and Game Pass is pretty much limited to that and PC, how much do you lean away from selling Xbox consoles and still try to maximize your revenue with your recurring revenue service, your Game Pass? And so I do think that they have to figure that out. And that's part of what this fight might be about. And and I think that that's an interesting question. I don't know where this winds up. But I do think that from the start of this generation, and you can see me on BitCast and in other places talking about the fact that PlayStation was selling a walled garden, a historical console that we recognize, and Xbox had really moved into selling software as a service and this recurring revenue concept at Game Pass, and that that was always going to have a a lower effect on the sell through of their Xbox plastic box, right? And that's why it surprised me when they bought these publishers and said a game like Starfield was gonna be exclusive because it was making the choice to not maximize your revenue from that asset, but instead to try to get more people to buy an Xbox. And I think part of this story that we'll talk about in just a second is that that just didn't come to fruition. They made the choice to keep these games as exclusive on the notion that that would sell more Xboxes and it just really didn't. Okay, folks, thank you so much. Let's go to the next item on our agenda here. So this is another Verge article talking about why Microsoft might be considering Xbox exclusives on PlayStation and Nintendo Switch. This is from Tom Warren again, and I think there's a lot of good points in this article. When you combine the rumors with recent comments from Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella and Xbox CFO, that's Chief Financial Officer, Tim Stewart, it's clear Microsoft is weighing its Xbox strategy now that Activision Blizzard deal is complete. At a Wells Fargo summit in late November, which is paywalled, Stewart detailed what he described as a bit of a change of strategy for Microsoft Gaming the division that houses Xbox and Microsoft's overall gaming efforts. That means smart TVs, that means mobile devices, that means what we have thought of as competitors in the past like PlayStation and Nintendo. They want to bring their games everywhere. Xbox chief Phil Spencer was quick to respond to fans questioning the future of Xbox, making it clear to Windows Central days later that Microsoft has no plans to bring Xbox Games Pass to PlayStation or Nintendo. That's largely out of Microsoft's control anyway, says the Verge, as Sony and Nintendo dictate what launches on their platforms, just like Microsoft does with Xbox. Now that's technically true for games themselves, but yes, I do think that the Game Pass conversation is one that has to be had in the, it takes two to tango" arena, right? Sony and Nintendo would have to agree to have that on their service as well. And there's reasons that they would want it and there's reasons that they wouldn't. Microsoft hasn't commented on the rumors, but CEO Satya Nadella spoke recently in broad terms about the company's gaming ambitions. With Activision, I think we have a chance of being a good publisher, quite frankly, on Sony, Nintendo, PCs, and Xbox. We're excited about that. Activision Blizzard acquisition closing. I'm glad we got it through. When you hear Nadella's comments alone, they could easily be dismissed as the obvious reality that Microsoft is a publisher of games on PlayStation, now owning the Call of Duty franchise. But when you combine them with the rumors of Xbox exclusives like Sea of Thieves and Hi-Fi Rush coming to rival platforms, Stewart's previous comments and big leadership changes at Xbox It's clear Microsoft has been thinking about some new strategic moves for its gaming division now that its giant $68.7 billion acquisition is complete. Sea of Thieves is now six years old, so a release on PlayStation or Nintendo Switch would open up the live service pirate game to millions of new players. Sea of Thieves always made sense to me. Insofar as it's a multiplayer game, it has that kind of same uh, impact level of of a Minecraft in terms of more people making it a better experience overall. And so Sea of Thieves makes a lot of sense to be as broad as possible. It wouldn't necessarily undermine Microsoft's Xbox exclusives pitch, much like how Sony releasing PlayStation exclusives to PC years later serves as a new revenue stream that doesn't undermine its console efforts. I mean, that's editorialization, right? We don't know exactly how much that's going to affect the Sony PlayStation efforts, but the notion is that the way that PlayStation has been releasing their games on PC doesn't undermine their hardware sales because they're the leader in the market. Hi-Fi Rush is different, though. The rhythm-based action game is already available on PC, but it's not even a year old. So a move to Switch or PS5 would certainly take some explaining from Microsoft to reassure Xbox fans that the platform and hardware are still worth investing in. And I want to take a step back here because I do think we've got this kind of emotional connection with our plastic boxes that I'm seeing online. And I have said in the past that I don't fully understand. Part of that is because I've been through all these different console wars. Part of that is because I've been uh, blessed With enough resources to get the consoles that i want and i don't have to pick between them for the most part Uh, but part of that also is this notion that they would have to explain themselves right i i want to say this again because i say it in virtual legality a lot corporations are not your friends right corporations and entities of all kinds big entities of of really every stripe are not your friends they they have their own focuses and a business is trying to make the most money possible so if it makes the most sense for them to release their games on a PlayStation or on a Nintendo Switch, they're going to do that as long as it doesn't hurt their branding to the extent that not selling an Xbox would reduce their revenue stream more than they would make from selling it under the PlayStation. So I don't know that they have to explain themselves as much as they need to control for this kind of fan-based mentality that they've created through the console wars. And to Xbox's credit, I don't think that they've been themselves personally fanning the flames as much as their community members do out there in the wild. Now, maybe they don't push them back or hold them back as much as they should in terms of being responsible for these kinds of things, but I think it's a little bit unfair to say they would have explaining to do for releasing a game a year later on something like the Nintendo Switch. That reassurance is something that Spencer has admitted Microsoft hasn't been good at in the past. So, this is another reason why it seems to be that Phil Spencer is part of the fighting group as discussed in these particular articles and arguing for not doing this. I don't really love this idea that for every one of our games, there becomes this little rumor on, is it going to end up on the Switch or not? I feel we should set a better expectation with our fans than that. And certainly to the extent that you do release these games in multiple platforms, the expectation of fans is gonna be completely blown up. Right? You could talk to them in the cleanest, plainest English with the best messaging and say, this is exclusive. It's never gonna come on Switch or never gonna come on PlayStation. And who would believe you at this point in time, right? But the reality is that Microsoft's Xbox business hasn't been about selling the most consoles for at least five years now. And I highlighted that in red because that is the most important thing here. We've said that in a lot of different spaces on this channel and on others, that it's important to note that Microsoft has been in the software sales business, the recurring revenue stream business, more than the console business, Really since the start of this generation, if not a little bit before, and that this is a kind of natural offshoot of that. You don't have to love it, but they haven't been competing on can we sell the most boxes for a long, long time. I think it's easy from the outside to judge the health of our business around how many consoles any company sells, said Spencer in a 2019 interview with The Verge. In the end, how many subscribers you have to something like Game Pass, how many games people are buying, those are much better metrics on the health of the business. We're not in the business of out consoling Sony or out counseling Nintendo, said Spencer in an interview with kind of funny games. Now, I honestly think that that's not actually speaking directly to the sales of console boxes point, but it is adjacent to it. That's understandable because Microsoft doesn't earn money from Xbox hardware sales alone as Xbox executive Lori Wright admitted during the Epic versus Apple trial in 2021. Now, we covered that on this channel, so you already probably know it, but it's important to note that these quotes we're about to go over were said primarily to justify that the Xbox shouldn't be impacted by Epic trying to crack open the Apple ecosystem. So this is something that Microsoft always basically had to say. The console gaming business is traditionally a hardware subsidy model. Game companies sell consoles at a loss to attract new customers. And I don't believe Nintendo does, but... That's for another video. Profits are generated in game sales and online service subscriptions. So they're saying we don't make money from selling the plastic itself. But obviously, when you make 100% uh, of the sales of your first party titles on that ecosystem, or 30% of other sales through that ecosystem, you want more plastic boxes out there in the wild, even if the sell through of a specific plastic box is a loss to you. So overall, they're not making Xboxes out of the goodness of their heart. They're making them because the overall revenue stream from a box under your TV is valuable to them. So this is a little bit of a misnomer. I don't think it's super useful to understanding what the business model is. Some might argue that opening up some older Xbox exclusives on a case-by-case basis to PlayStation and Nintendo Switch only helps Microsoft improve Xbox Game Pass with more revenue. It can invest in studios to build more games. I don't think you even need to believe that it's going to make Game Pass better, as much as it might just bring more revenue for Microsoft overall. Either way, when you look at Microsoft's gaming business, it's clear that for it to grow substantially, it won't be through selling Xbox consoles alone. And I think Tom Warren is largely right here, even though I think that some of this goes a little bit too far in suggesting that Microsoft doesn't care about the boxes, period. There are clearly mechanisms to getting revenue from different methods through that box. It's one of the reasons why I think Game Pass is unlikely to move to a different box, because I think that's their best proposition to sell Xboxes in the future, which is their best proposition to maximizing their revenue. All right. Now, I did see a couple of Super Chats come in. Let me get those. Thank you so much for waiting, folks. Darth Shady, thank you so much for the Super Chat. The company might consider making more money through game sales rather than consoles. They can always have exclusives again later. Absolutely. I think that's right. I think what people get concerned about, what I've been able to ascertain from my uh, discussions on Twitter, is that Microsoft might just absolutely love the money it makes from subscription services and game sales and get out of consoles entirely, which leaves us in this kind of monopoly situation with PlayStation, at least in the high-end video game console market, which doesn't really exist and we could expect pressure from Nintendo as well
1: as from other parties. Drawing TJ, thank you for the super chat. I got to ask, do you think they phase out the Xbox console
0: and force us to PC or PlayStation or Switch? So this is a guess right? This is speculative on my part. Do I think that they're going to get out of the console space? I think that this is indicative of another move towards focusing on software sales and subscription revenue. Do I think that means they get rid of their plastic box entirely? I don't think we have enough information right now to say one way or the other. I think it's more likely than it was before these rumors, but less likely
1: than the certainty that people are saying online. So, yes, I think there's a lot to take in already with what we've just looked at. Let's look at a few other things. I wanted to talk about this
0: from a monetary perspective. This is a Twitter thread from Game Over 30, aka Rally Car Delta, who is sometimes in the chat. If you are in the chat, say hi, Rally Car Delta. Uh, but I really like how this looks at what Microsoft's financial statements said about their business operations. And this is from quarter two, fiscal year 24. So, it, this is the quarter ending at the end of January those of you that follow financial statements says more personalized more personal computing now includes xbox as one entity with activision blizzard king operating income in mpc grew 29 percent to be super clear mpc is profitable and the biggest component to mpc now is gaming with 4.29 billion in total operating income for mpc xbox content and services that's games to you and me raw revenue jumped 61 percent year over year which is huge right but 55 points of that came from the net impact of the Activision numbers. The seven points of that came from a jump in Xbox without Activision. So Xbox actually had a really good year in terms of selling software. They had a seven point increase in a very kind of tumultuous economy and certainly a tumultuous time in video gaming in general. Uh, and, And with the purchase of Activision Blizzard King, it went up by even more than that. But obviously this doesn't take into account the cost of getting that 55 points, right? As far as Xbox total revenue goes, it grew 49% year over year, of which 44 points is from Activision Blizzard King. So Activision was a big purchase, we knew that, uh, but Xbox software revenue still went up uh, by a a few points. Xbox hardware also grew 3% year over year, but it is being reported that Microsoft views this as weaker than expected. So where does Microsoft make their money? They make it through that subscription revenue, they make it through games, and even though, They decided to keep Starfield exclusive, even though they went out in public as much as possible, saying, we're going to make these various games exclusive to our Xbox customers, our Xbox investors in the ecosystem. That didn't move the needle on selling Xboxes when Sony is still maintaining their their market share while not releasing much in the first party at all. So Microsoft's bean counters, their business folks look at this and say, okay, if we made the decision to drive hardware growth with exclusives and it didn't drive hardware growth, we should look at this from a different perspective. And so it makes all the sense in the world to me to say, yeah, it didn't drive hardware growth. So now we have to go and look at it from a different perspective. But the people that did invest in this ecosystem are upset about that fact because they invested in it and they are worried that it's gonna go away forever. And while I don't agree that that's likely the outcome of all of this, I think it is important to note that that appears to be the fight, right? The business proposition here makes all the sense in the world. You said, we're going to keep Starfield on our system. That's going to drive our, our console growth. It's going to drive our Game Pass growth. And it's very difficult for even really smart executives to see exactly what Starfield being exclusive generated for either Game Pass or consoles. So you can't look at this number and say, well, it didn't help us on consoles. And we know we can sell a lot of copies on PlayStation. Let's sell those a lot of copies. We know that for a fact. Versus people out there going, but we're gonna we're going to make people upset that are otherwise invested in our ecosystem. And look, I said I missed that that was happening because I said what I've always felt about these things, I've never been entirely sure why I, as a gamer, should care that others are getting to experience the same games I hopefully love, right? Nothing is reduced for me playing Starfield on my Xbox or on my PC by the fact that somebody that has a PlayStation is playing Starfield, right? That doesn't hurt me personally. And I do think people sometimes look a little bit narrowly at this question. But I do understand that folks are concerned about the overall competitive ecosystem in gaming, and that's where some of that feeling is coming from. I think the writing was on the wall for this really when the generation started, but solidified with stagnant console sales, saying just what I said to you just now. But my friend and colleague at Last Stand Media, Gene Park of the Washington Post said, hey, why are people getting mad their game is on a different plastic box? Because if $500 meant a lot to me, I'd be salty to invest it on the plastic box that only had Starfield, but not Final Fantasy VII Remake and Spider-Man. Instead, I could have spent it on the box that does. And I understand this. I I understand this framework, but I think it is perhaps a little bit misdirected, right? If the concern is that I feel bad about having an Xbox because other people can play Starfield and I can't play Final Fantasy VII Remake and Spider-Man, it seems to me that the direction of your concern or ire Is on the company that isn't selling you Final Fantasy VII Remake or Spider-Man, not the company that is selling Starfield to the other other party. That's where I come at it from this perspective. But I think Gene is just looking at it from a general consumer perspective, and I can certainly understand feeling regret for your investment, feeling betrayed on this premise, even though I think that the conversation is probably rightly pointed at, okay, well then I should be mad at Sony for not letting me play those games, especially from third parties. Spider-Man a little less sense because they actually made that game at Sony, Final Fantasy VII Remake or Rebirth, or any of the other games that have the exclusives from Sony, I think are areas where you could be rightly upset that those aren't coming over, even though from a business perspective, again, it makes all the sense in the world. Now, I also wanted to say one of the things I've said in this video. I think perhaps that the tripolar console world, the Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft setup, has persisted unchanged for longer than we old folks give it credit for shakeups happen but we know it's not necessarily the end of all things i under- underestimated how many folks had not right a lot of video gaming is done by younger folks a lot of video gaming is done by folks that are deeply invested for one reason or another in one ecosystem or another and they haven't been through the turbo graphics or the sega genesis or the dreamcast or the cdi or the 3do or everything else that happened in between and so they look at this and say if microsoft dies the entire industry is going to be changed forever towards the worse And I don't see that happening, even if Microsoft announced this afternoon that they're getting out of video gaming entirely. And here's a a random post that was was marked on my timeline. If this is true, these rumors, it will be the beginning of the end of the Xbox console. They can produce next-gen Xbox if they want, but few will buy it. And I think that's what I had underestimated was going to be the effect of these rumors and messages. And maybe Phil Spencer or whoever's fighting internally at Microsoft has that right on the nose, and I did not, because again, I'm coming at it from a more corporate standpoint. My tilt is towards understanding the math here and the economics, and I had always thought that the right play from buying Bethesda or Activision was broadly selling the games that had the broad audiences or broad audience possibilities in the first instance. And so the one thing I would criticize here, the most specifically of Microsoft, is the lack of messaging, letting this get out uncontrolled from sources within their own, uh, circumstance by look of things and not being ready to have a comment at the time and at the time of the Bethesda purchase and these other kind of moves towards purchasing companies not not being better prepared for analyzing what the math would be in the future and suggesting that hey it's probably not going to move the needle for console sales we don't really care about console sales that much so we should make sure that we are selling it to the broad base and and justifying our purchase of these assets so that we don't have to change course in a way that will feel like a betrayal to the people that are our biggest fans. That's my opinion on those things. That's editorializing from me. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to think that that's the be all end all state of this. But that's one of the reasons I wanted to make this video was to talk through these issues with you all. And also I wanted to let folks know that this is a channel supported by viewers and listeners like you. So if you're interested in these conversations, if you like having them in this place, please do check out the links in the description to Player or Patreon uh, or memberships and Super Chats. You've seen the Super Chats already. All of those are a great deal of support for the channel. Don't feel like you're obligated to do any of that. Thank you so much. And let's talk a little bit here at the end. If I missed anything, if you think I mischaracterized anything, let me know, questions and comments right now so that I can answer them to the best of my ability and we can go on with our day of screaming at Twitter about the end of all things. All right, folks, thank you so much for listening and thank you for being here in this space. Let me know, and I will get to those questions if you flag them with a hoglaw or a Super Chat, or a Q, and we can go from there. Uh, Rum Punch Man reminds me of something I did forget to mention as we went through here. Why fight and win against the FTC and immediately capitulate? It creates the monopoly the FTC was working to prevent. Only three Xbox exclusives from Activision and ZeniMax. Too early to say, failing strategy. I agree that it's too early to say it's a failing strategy, but That may be what the business folks are looking at. I also wanted to offer that one thing that does open up here is that if you go broad with your exclusives to everyone, it does prevent certain of the fights that Xbox had in purchasing Activision Blizzard King. So one thing you might be seeing that we can't see yet is that Microsoft feels that there is some other undervalued company out there that they would like to purchase and that they have the cash to do so, uh, but that they are worried about getting into one of these other kind of mired fights with the FTC or the CMA or anyone else in the world. And if you make these kinds of broad, non-exclusive strategies available to everybody uh, in 2024, 2025, that purchase might be a little bit easier to sail through with less legal costs in the future. So there is a possibility that this is setting up for another expansion of Microsoft's purchasing power that kind of takes into account the notion that they still have this cash on hand and they'd still want to be invested in gaming, which I think is an overall good. And I think people do miss not just the dynamism of the console market, but that the console market in video gaming is not the only market where competition occurs, right? The content creation market has this competition as well. And Microsoft, even as some kind of super publisher, would still be putting certain downward pressure on Sony to get games out, to get good games out, and setting the price at which those games are sold, right? Microsoft as super publisher doesn't just exit the market entirely. They've invested billions and billions of dollars. The one thing that I'm certain of is that they are not planning on exiting video gaming tomorrow, right? You don't invest all this money to just leave. Uh, And so there would still be pressure on the gaming content from Microsoft, regardless of how they sell consoles or don't sell them against Sony. Con Artistic, would collectively dropping Game Pass subs, someone suggested one month, be over the top since it's about money. Collectively dropping Game Pass subs uh, as a price? Uh, I don't. I don't think
1: I understand the question, con kind of artistic. I'm sorry, Don Hogue, do you think Phil's days are numbered in his role? I think
0: I don't know Phil Spencer personally. Uh, I think if he feels that the direction is hurtful to the customer base that he has cultivated over the course of his tenure and that He understands that and doesn't want to be the name on it that he
1: might have to leave. But I don't know that we've gotten that far yet. Mysterious says, if you think about Spider-Man on PC and PlayStation not an exclusive if it's out on PC.
0: That's true, right? People seem to think that the PC is completely separate from the console space. uh, And certainly even the FTC and the CMA had it positioned that way because of the general applicability of a a PC in your home. So folks don't put it in the same bucket. And I think folks get concerned about the console space on a very, on a very narrow-minded basis that consoles are where video games live. And I think that that's not in fact the case. Gigs Boson, Hogue, you seem to forget that people that can afford all consoles are less than 10%. I don't seem to forget it. I, I I admit that there are circumstances that I have in my life that I'm blessed with, and I'm very appreciative of that and appreciative for all the folks that help support the channel. Uh, but I don't think that you have to invest like your soul and personality into one of these corporations' products. I want to go where the good products are. I will follow them where they are. I think people that are concerned about monopoly practices – are maybe thinking the economy is a little bit more static than it is, but I have a justified concern. I just don't want to leap off the bridge with everybody else and say that this is the end days. Bryn Gallup says, I have zero interest in this topic. Thanks. No, I appreciate it, but I'm happy. I finally made a Hangouts and Headlines live. Happy face emoji. Thank you. Yes. I, Hangouts and Headlines is traditionally about more of the news items in our world and how they're represented by newspapers. This would have been a virtual legality extra back at the start of the channel, but I think that this was the best way to handle this particular conversation. So I thank you for it. And I thank you for you being here, even though you have zero interest in the topic. Dell, Microsoft needs to shake things up if they want to compete. Release Xbox Next one year ahead of PlayStation 6. Aggressively seek exclusives. Well, I don't think that you can aggressively seek exclusives until you have your market established, right? Exclusives are going to cost more money for the secondary market participant than the market leader, so you have to get in there. You might be aggressive and, and sell into an Xbox, next box, whatever it is, uh, early, and then establish that you're going to have the market leadership position. But that's going to be fought by Sony. That's the competition that we like. J boy on the run says again, Microsoft's real competition is Apple and Google. So this is a small console war is not the top priority. Yes, and that's part of this as well, right? You can see Microsoft wants to get their software out in as many hands as possible. That's traditional for somebody selling software. And so that makes sense, even in the video game landscape. But Phil Spencer, Sarah Bond, the other folks internally probably have a little bit better handle on how video gamers are going to take this news. And they're not always the most reasonable bunch, even though those folks that are here in this space are hopefully more reasonable in general on the video game side of things. And so I think they had it on an, uh, an understanding better than even I did that gamers would take this really, really negatively in a manner that I didn't anticipate. The Winter Shoulder, oh, given Microsoft labeled a game like Starfield exclusive, would Xbox have opened itself for a lawsuit uh, for deceptive marketing? And I talked about this a little bit in the middle of this video, Winter Shoulder, uh, but no. The answer is in general, you'd have to have a belief that the statements that were made were lies at the time, that they were defrauding the customers. And I think what we're looking at at best is a kind of plans change scenario, right? That that the plans for Microsoft have changed. And you see that from some of the internal readings of the articles about there being a fight inside Microsoft about these things. And we don't know exactly how truthful all of those things are. These are rumors. Uh, I would caution people to wait until some of the formal statements come out from Microsoft. But to the extent any of that is true, then you're looking at a situation where the strategy has legitimately changed
1: and that's not deceptive marketing. That's not an intent to deceive at the time those statements were made. That's just a change in plans. Mark believes that the uh, super chat was as a protest. I
0: believe that he meant redropping subs for a month. Oh, customers quitting their Xbox game pass for a short time to send a message to Microsoft. I have, doubts about the effectiveness of such a move, but I understand the desire. Uh, And certainly if that's something that sounds like a good idea to you, then go right ahead and do it. I think it's unlikely to me that that's going to have the kind of consistency of effect that you'd expect or want to have in order to send Microsoft that message. I think you'll probably have a little bit more luck shouting into the void, honestly. But
1: if you feel bad about spending that money or otherwise supporting that ecosystem, absolutely. That, That makes all the sense in the world to me. Ishtar says it was exclusive it was exclusive on release. I believe they never promised more than that. Yeah, it was definitely exclusive on
0: release, and it was their plans to remain exclusive. We still don't know whether it will be or won't be. We're looking at rumors here over a
1: weekend, but um it was exclusive at the time those statements were made, definitely, okay. Here's Dan, my co-host over at the BitCast. We had a lovely conversation yesterday if you're interested in any of the
0: Suicide Squad stuff or other things people were shouting at each other about on Twitter. Outside of the past couple of years, I'm curious where the consumer confidence in Xbox has come from. Before the acquisitions and Game Pass, it was looking bleak. First three years of Game Pass were not great either. So yeah, I I think Xbox doing anything was kind of a positive view after the Xbox One era, right? That That was a really poor generation for them. And I think them deciding to pursue any business initiative was seen as useful and helpful. And I've been in this space on my channel talking about the fact that the Xbox ecosystem and Microsoft money in gaming is useful for competition. But I think people read that to mean that it had to be console competition. And I think just the fact that you have one of the biggest companies in the world investing billions and billions of dollars in your favorite hobby, if you're me or uh, not, if you're some of the other people that have zero interest in this topic, uh, is a good thing for that particular hobby, for that industry, that you get that competition from the pressure of the money itself. However, that manifests, and people I think are right now having a little bit of difficulty imagining it manifesting in a way that is different from a Nintendo, an Xbox, and a PlayStation. And I'm telling you, gaming can survive in a different model than that. Eternal Shaddai, thank you so much for the very generous super chat. If business is in Microsoft's mind, same as any other company, how are they making customers happy? They are pushing us customers slash investors away. What happens with the motto customers are always right. I see a monotonous gaming field. I'm not thrilled with the state of gaming right now in terms of the releases that i I see from the first party, so i'm I'm with you on certain monotonies happening here, but i don't I don't think the customer is always right applies on this basis right they're they're not taking away something from the xbox gamers that have an xbox those gamers are worried about the future of xbox support and i think that's a justified concern even though i think it's a little bit premature but that isn't the same thing as what they sold you to begin with and i think that that's getting confused a little bit in social media and online and i would caution people to just to just wait a little bit to see what happens here and that I don't think we're looking at a situation where a number of folks articulated to me a concern that they would lose all of their digital library for instance. I don't see a situation in which the Xbox plastic box goes away and so Microsoft Xbox goes away entirely. I think you'd see something like a digital app and even potentially digital access to that library. Um but if things go in a different direction that's the proper time to to rend garments and gnash teeth. I think There's a lot of things to be worried about in the world and a lot of negativity to take in. I think we can just wait a step until we actually have to worry about those things from just this rumor. Starfield going to PlayStation
1: doesn't make any of that happen as it stands right now. All right. And I think we're just about done with comments. If anybody has any more. And I am.
0: I'm, I'm. I see Brandon says Grub just said Gears of War is also possible. Breaking news. Well, I mean, I can say that too. Halo is also possible, right? I, I, all of these things are possible. When you own an IP, you have the right to control its distribution. So, yes, Gears of War are also possible. Great. Fantastic. I don't think that's likely. I think what you'll get is a compromise position. I think you'll get Xbox keeping the things that are most closely identified with its identity in house. Internal Halo, Gears of War, Forza—I think those are likely to stay. And then with the things that are less associated with the Xbox brand, because they were basically just purchased by Xbox very recently, like Bethesda games and Activision games, that that makes more sense to still continue that broad approach, right? To still operate those companies as publishers because that's how they made their money. That's how they grew to the success level that they did. So yeah, I think you're very likely to see the games that have been purchased continue to be. Uh, sold multi-platform because that makes the most business sense for Microsoft and keeping them exclusive
1: wasn't moving the hardware or seemingly game pass needle for them. Joshua Ford says, I'm equally surprised at how strongly people are feeling about this. I was absolutely
0: surprised about it yesterday. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm seeing the first party becoming stale from the first party exclusivity and just want to change up in A's." Uh, yeah, and I think there's lots of great games out there, but I I've, I haven't really seen them from first-party development, so it doesn't really bother me as much to talk about these exclusives becoming non-exclusive. And I did like Starfield, but I didn't associate a Bethesda RPG really with the Xbox brand as of yet. So it seems
1: like if you're going to get out of exclusives using these new branded titles, now is probably about the right time to do it. Don,
0: do you think Nadella would oust Phil if Phil loses this battle? There seems to be some major internal disagreement. I don't think he would have to oust him. I I think that based on what we're seeing and based on previous statements that Phil has made, this seems to go against what he wanted the division to be doing. And again, we're we're speculating, right? We don't know these things for a fact. But at that point in time, in my experience, executives, when they are otherwise going to be charged with responsibility for the direction of certain initiatives, if they are wildly different from what direction they would take themselves will step aside themselves
1: in order to not be tarred with what they view as a really bad idea uh Ho, given how this is blown up do you anticipate a microsoft response sooner than the spring now yeah i anticipate one this week uh and by the end of the month at the latest Unscripted thought, nope, hogue, Xbox will go full third party if it nets them more income. Yeah, of
0: course. I I mean, I don't know what the nope, hogue is there, what I might have said to elicit the nope. But yes, these companies will go where the most money is, but they also can't see the future. So they're all strategizing just like we do on the outside looking in, trying to figure out what the best way to make that money is. And it would surprise me if not being involved in the console marketplace at all, is where they think that that maximization of money lives. But I do see people looking out there and saying, well, maybe that is in fact the case. I just think they're jumping five, six steps ahead. I don't think even Microsoft in this fight right now has thought that they're going to exit the console space entirely. And certainly if that is the absolute direction that they're taking, I would expect Phil
1: Spencer or others that have been involved in building the Xbox console brand to walk away. Terrence, what happens if Xbox goes away and those Xbox Game Pass subscribers go away?
0: I, I, they'd be out of gaming. Is Microsoft worried about that? I think Microsoft is is worried to the extent that they're worried about not maximizing the revenue that their assets can afford them. Right. So they bought these assets from Bethesda, they bought these assets from Call of Duty, from Activision, yeah, Call of Duty company, uh, and the business folks want to sell them to as many people that are willing to buy them. Right. That's the normal nature of business. And certain forces within Microsoft have said, "Well, we can sell Game Pass better, or we can sell the console better, if we have these exclusives or this, these access rights." And that appears to be the fight that's happening. Again, from the outside looking in, so are they concerned that they they lose everything? I don't think so. I think they're trying to maximize their their scenario. And the concern would be that that reduces faith and trust that Xbox will continue to be a going concern, and that's how they lose everything. But I think this is a messaging problem as much as an economic one they just have to get out there and control this the, what is spinning out of control fairly rapidly in terms of the messaging on this uh, and honestly that could change their minds on the strategy that they pursue in the future so i suspect this leak was made by people that are interested in one side or the other of this fight thinking that they can rally the forces of the public to their behalf and show that x decision is a bad one or a good one depending on what they're trying to achieve and sometimes that's going to be The wrong thing for the leaker, certainly Microsoft seems to have an internal communications issue on this right now. We knew that somewhat from the Activision stuff and from the union stuff that Phil Spencer's emails were getting leaked almost immediately. So Microsoft gets these communications uh, out there uh, either deliberately or in this case on an uncontrolled basis a lot. And that has to be a concern going forward for Xbox gaming in general, but are they worried about losing everything? If they proceed with this, no. They think that they can still make Game Pass and Xbox a good enough case to warrant their continued presence in the market, even with Starfield being on PlayStation. Thaneros, thank you for the super chat. I'm thinking the plan is to entice people on other platforms to join Game Pass. Day and day on Game Pass, then publish on other platforms later. Pull people in with FOMO. Yeah, I think limited release window... And lower price point or more budget-friendly p- price point, depending on how you want to articulate the Game Pass sales uh, sell-through, is part of what you can you can make as a case here from a business perspective, right? People think, well, there's no reason to get an Xbox, but if Xbox is the only place to get a an easy, convenient version of Game Pass, and Game Pass is going to get those games earlier than PlayStation, and PlayStation is going to cost $70 or $90 or $100, whatever it is, then you have a built-in marketing platform for Game Pass on the Sony PlayStation, right? Where there are more people playing games. You collect that 70% of revenue from them and you say, hey, you could have gotten this for much cheaper and earlier on our system with Game Pass. Then there's reasons to believe that's a good business case for Xbox. And there's reasons to believe that that could destroy the Xbox market.
1: So, I mean, that's the fight. It's, It's people trying to predict the future. Winter Shoulder asks, would this rumored third party
0: be a stopgap until their Xbox division is at a better financial position to go back to exclusives again, or would this just be the strategy full on? I think one thing that people get confused about here is this notion that you have to be like a, like a light switch on or all the way off, right? And so I think that the question is well-framed because nothing that Microsoft decides on now is going to determine every decision that they make in the future. And that we should know that from this particular argument, because the fight is that they said exclusives before and they're going to go back on that. Right. So if they say multi-platform now and they go back on it in the future, that's not great for developing trust in your fan base or your your customer base. But this is a constant process of evaluating what direction you're going to go at with these hugely valuable properties. So. Do I expect them to do something different in the future? Yes. The, the gaming industry is constantly changing. The market position is constantly changing. We know this even at just generational shifts. The next Xbox might be a banger and the next PlayStation might be a dud. At that point, all the economics changes. What it costs to keep an exclusive, what it costs to put something on PlayStation, all those things change. And yes, I would expect it to be constantly reevaluated. So no, I don't. I don't view this as an all-in or all-not-in scenario. Louis Proctor says, sorry, just catching the stream up now. I think Microsoft going largely third party could work for them, but they really need to have a solid strategy around messaging and implementing that. I think their messaging is god awful right now. And I think this surprised them. I I think this is honestly an uncontrolled leak of the kind that we don't usually see from companies like Microsoft. And I think that surprised them. And what they were planning on talking about probably towards the end of this month is going to be elevated to this week would be my anticipation. Now, we'll see if I'm right or wrong. But if they've got any of their ducks in a row at all, I think they need to speak sooner rather than later. And so messaging is going to be paramount to all this. And I think that that's going to be the real discussion point. And there might well be another Hangouts and Headlines or another virtual legality on that messaging, depending on what comes out of a statement from Phil Spencer, Section Nadella, or anybody else. And I don't know what this is in reference to, Mary Jane, but sorry, I meant poo poo head. So I just thought I would highlight that. I'm sure you're very happy with that. But Thank you for clarifying. It's always important to be clear here uh, on the Hoglaw YouTube channel. Steve Jones, CFO saw their hardware base and was scared they wouldn't make money on their acquisitions, LOL. I think the fact that it was directed by the chief financial officer in that article that we read does suggest that what happened was is that Phil Spencer sold them on a future that they should spend this 70 billion plus dollars on. And it didn't, uh, it didn't, immediately show in that kind of early quarter returns. And there does appear to be a kind of flinching happening at Microsoft. And so I said, even when the Activision Blizzard deal started, you can look at that first video, that this was a huge bet from Phil Spencer, right? Marshaling the forces in political, social, and real capital at Microsoft to go spend $70 billion on an acquisition was a real bet of his confidence in both the idea And his position at Microsoft. And so some of that is coming to roost here in that it didn't
1: metabolize in the way that they wanted to see it happening immediately. And the chat is suggesting that Phil Spencer is going to be on CNBC later today. Um, So if you're interested
0: in that, definitely check that out. That might be a statement on what's happening here. Uh, If it is, it will be vetted to all hell like by business, by legal, by everyone that is at all interested in this. Microsoft is a giant company. Phil Spencer is the face of gaming. And this is all spun out a little bit on him. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, definitely check out that interview if
1: you're interested in this topic. If you're not, don't check out that interview. But thanks for letting me know, chat. Louis says, I find no verified source on CNBC, by the way. It's fair. Uh,
0: We'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Don says he's going to sound like a robot. Certainly in a case like this one, in a public corporation with these messages spinning out of control, he will have a very closely vetted statement, which if he comes out in public and says those kinds of things will be perhaps robotic. Although the best messages on these kind of things can sound a little bit like they're speaking off the cuff, even with
1: full talking points. So we'll see. Chris Gomez, I totally agree that Phil and other Team Xbox members are committed to backward
0: compatibility, but if consoles are going ARM, there is a compatibility story to be solved. Could be a bumpy ride. Yeah, and and I think that backward compatibility is certainly something that is worth discussing, and it is part of where Sony found themselves behind in this generation was Xbox solving for that earlier. So we'll see where it goes uh, in the future on these kinds of things. But ultimately, I just want to say thank you to everyone for being here. Uh, in Hangouts and Headlines. And if there is an interview with Phil, check it out. If there isn't, then we'll see when Xbox wants to start, start talking about these issues, because certainly this is not the way they wanted these messages to get out there and either isn't how they expected the customer base to respond or is, which may be worse. So with that being said, thank you for joining me here today. Tell your friends we're having these conversations. Look at the links below. And I've mentioned it in other spaces, but because of YouTube policies now and certain emails they've sent to me, we won't be putting links in the descriptions of these videos directly to the articles that I've looked at. Instead, I will be putting those on the podcast uh, website, which you can see a link to in the description of this video as well. So thanks again, and I will see you on the next episode. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only.